0: Well, it's great to be here this morning, and um, I'm really excited to be able to bring the word this morning. And just quickly, Brad, on the Sports Fest thing, uh, we are also having a 24-hour prayer meeting, and our number one prayer focus is that we beat Bentley Baptist. And, And so we're praying and believing. We'll keep praying. He says, nah, it's great. Uh, Just quickly a little bit about my context before I get into uh, the the message this morning. My name is Anthony. I'm the senior pastor at uh, Lakeside Baptist Church. Um, I I didn't grow up in a Christian family, so I became a Christian about the age of 18, 19. But I'm an Italian. Both my parents were born in Italy. I was born here. So if you're an Italian, there's probably three things that is the same for every Italian. One, you have an uncontrollable desire to grow tomatoes which I have. Uh, two, you, you, you kind of have body hair in places you're not meant to have body hair, which I have as well, except on my head. And the third one is that you're, you've got this kind of Roman Catholic uh, cultural ingrained in everything that you do. So yes, I, I, I didn't grow up in a, a Christian family. We weren't kind of believing. We'd go to church on Christmas and Easter, and there was always this kind of Catholic uh, feel and we knew who Jesus was. But then, at around about the age of 18, 19, I had this life changing experience that involved other Christians who shared the gospel with me, and I became a Christian. And, uh, and it's, been, it's been a full-on journey since then to the point where uh, God uh, sent me uh, to Bible College and, and became a, a pastor at a church. I get the privilege and honor of serving at Lakeside Baptist Church. And I don't know if you know Lakeside. Our context is we, we own and operate a basketball or a recreation center. I know Bentley have uh, lots of basketball teams, which is great. And they're heavily involved in the ministry there. So we have around about 8,000 people a week who use our community facility and uh, and that's what we want to do we want people to use our facility but with the ultimate goal that they would experience Jesus and say yes to Jesus so I get the privilege and honor of serving there and part of the the main ministry that I see is to make sure that we're aligned and are fully focusing on and keeping that main thing the main thing and that is to see people say yes to Jesus so this morning I want to kind of talk about that keeping the main thing The main thing. How about we pray, and I will get into it. Most gracious Father, again we thank you that we can come this morning, uh, that we can connect with you. And uh, I love that prayer at the start of the service. Uh, Every single one of us have had different types of weeks. Maybe we've had great weeks. Maybe we've had hard weeks, Father. But Lord, I just pray right now that your your Spirit would meet us where we're at, and uh, as we look at your Word, as we wrestle with um, keeping you the main thing, uh, Father, that we would, yeah, your Spirit would just minister to us. Uh, We ask and pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, I'm a bit of a basketball player. You wouldn't think so because I'm only barely taller than that um, music stand. But I can remember when I was a little bit younger, we were playing in this this semi-final basketball, it was like the state uh, tournament and uh, we were playing in this game and we were up, we were up by uh, one point and uh, it was a sideline ball, the the other team had called a timeout and I think it was like four seconds to go. Our coach called us in and said, all right, this is all you have to do is look after the ball for four seconds and we win by a point. Anthony, you're the the guard, you're a really good dribbler, you just look after the ball and, and the game is ours. Anyway, end of the timeout, we'd go out, there was a fairly big crowd and, and uh, they were cheering and I was, you know, it was great and, and anyway, the, the, the guy passed the ball into me and I kind of grabbed the ball and everything went into kind of slow motion and all of a sudden I looked over at the basket, the hoop where you shoot at, and it was completely free, there was no one in front of it and I thought, this is my chance. I can, I can become the, the hero. I'm just, you know, I could come in there and take off and do a beautiful layup and everyone's going to cheer and yell and, and I'll be the star of the game. And so anyway, I started heading towards the hoop and I kind of jumped and it felt like I was just floating and flying in the air. I was probably only this high off the ground. But, but this is what it felt like. And, and anyway, I'm like, there's no one playing defense. Why is it so open? And I end up laying the ball up and, and the ball went into the hoop and it counted and everyone was cheering and on and the opposition and everyone out team was kind of going like this. I'd shot at the wrong basket, and it was like, "Oh my goodness, no wonder it was open because it was their basket. and I'd scored two points for them, and they had won the game. So I went from being the so-called hero to losing the game because I'd shot at the wrong basket. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Uh, I wasn't over the coach wasn't happy with me, and um, yeah, it was I needed counseling. but anyway. The wrong basket, shooting at the wrong basket. I was reading this story about a young lady who had her last assignment to finish her degree in one of her last units and she spent weeks preparing this assignment. She'd gone to the library and studied and put it all together, really, really happy with what she'd done and she submitted the, the, the essay in plenty of time and, and now she just sat back and was waiting for the results. Anyway, the results came back and this was in the time where they actually used paper and pen and uh, there, was, there was big, uh, in red, writing on the front of her essay. Excellent bibliography, great illustrations, great writing skills, grade F. And then in big red writing, capital letters, wrong assignment. You did the wrong assignment. I know it's quite sad. I I laughed a little bit, but maybe I'm not as compassionate as you guys. Wrong assignment. She did all the work, but it was the wrong assignment. You know, you know. both of these stories, shooting at the wrong basket or doing the wrong assignment, made me started to reflect on one day, all of us are going to come face to face with God. On our final day, we're going to come before God and he's going to look at us and is He going to say to me, Hey Anthony, nice house. A great car. Hey, you got your kids, they went to a private school. Excellent job. Grade F. Wrong assignment. Wrong basket. Not only does he, I think he will do it for individuals, but also as churches. Hey, hey, church, you had nice lights and and you won sports fest and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? Grade F, wrong assignment. I want to talk about what basket are you shooting at? What assignment are you doing? You know what? Jesus talked about this quite a lot. There's a story that Jesus tells about a farmer. He tells about a farmer who had a bumper crop. You may know this story. He says "This this farmer who, who had a bumper, bumper crop and in those days if you're a farmer and you have a bumper crop that means you've got lots of wealth. In fact he had so much crop he didn't know what to do with it and he started to think what am I going to do with all this extra grain, with all this, this extra wheat or whatever it was, what am I going to do? He says this is what I'll do, I've got a great idea, I'm going to build bigger barns he said. He says, I'm going to build bigger, bigger barns and I can put all that grain, all that wheat in these bigger barns. And if I have bigger barns, I'm going to have more money. If I have more money, I'm going to have more security. That's what I'm going to do, he says. He says, I'm going to to build bigger barns, put the grain in there. And then after I've done that, I'm going to relax. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to watch Foxtel. I'm going to drink and eat and be happy. And then my life will be secure. I have nothing to worry about. And as Jesus tells this story, he says something that's really, really strong. He actually says, you fool. He says to the farmer, you fool, because this very night you will die. Strong words from Jesus. You fool, this very night you will die. I can remember experiencing death for the first time, not me physically, but but experiencing uh, a death in the family. I remember when I was 15 and... Actually, it happened to be we were out, one, uh, out at basketball training and, and uh, my mum rang up and uh, said, you need to come home and uh, something's not quite right. And uh, You know when you get a phone call and you can hear in someone's voice that something really bad's happened? And she said, Anthony, you need to come home straight away. Uh, something's wrong with your granddad. So anyway, we, we race home and, and we race off to the uh, Royal Perth Hospital and, and this is the first time i had experienced death. I, as a 15-year-old, you know that people do die, but you had, I'd never experienced it before. And I remember sitting around the hospital bed and, and my, my parents were grieving and crying and, and my granddad had a, had, just had a heart attack and, and he died. And I remember looking at him, he just, it just wasn't the same. If you've experienced it, you know what I mean. Like I'm holding his arms and I'm like, wake up. But, but death is final. Death is real and there was just no life in, in, in my granddad. It wasn't him. And, and Jesus says in this story about this farmer, you fool. You fool. Death is going to come, you know your big barns, your grain, it's temporary, it, it doesn't last. He says this very night you will, you will die and then he kind of sums up this little story, he says this is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. I think what Jesus is saying is, is, is nice layup but wrong basket. Nice assignment, but it's the wrong assignment. What are you actually living for? There's nothing wrong with barns and, 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 and wealth, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's where you base your security, if that's what you're building your life on, that's dangerous, he says. What basket are you shooting at? Or what assignment are you doing Hands up if you've ever played the game Monopoly. Most people have played Monopoly or, or the Game of Life. I don't know if you've played the Game of Life. They're very similar games and, and basically, you, I, generally I win but, um, or it becomes a fight or I cheat to win. But anyway, uh, you've you got to consume and get as much as you can, don't you? You've got to get money, you've got to get property, you've got to get a job and you've got to get hotels and, and, and the game is to consume things. You get your little person and you go around the board. But what happens at the end of every single game, apart from a fight? It all goes where? It all goes back in the box, doesn't it? Everything goes back in the box. The, the little houses, the, the little person that represented you, it all goes back in the box. None of it's really yours. It doesn't belong to you. It's, you just get to play with it for a little while. It all goes back into the box. Players come and players go. But eventually it all goes back into the box. The farmer in Jesus' story, he learned how to play the game. He learned how to play the game, but he forgot that it all goes back in the box. And he says, You fool. You fool. Where are you shooting at in your life? What basket are you shooting at? What assignment are you doing? What assignment are you living? Again, none of these things are necessarily bad, but if if you focus on on career or relationships or earning money or having a bigger house or driving a faster, again, nothing's wrong with that stuff. But if you build your life on it, it's temporary. It doesn't last. And Jesus says, what hoop are you shooting at? What assignment are you doing? There's another story uh, with Jesus. This isn't a story that Jesus tells. This is an actual encounter that Jesus has. Uh, Jesus is out doing ministry and this encounter actually happened when, when Jesus is quite popular. We don't tend to think that Jesus was popular, but he was. He was kind of a, a bit of a rock star. People would, would, would travel great distances to see Jesus, to, to hear Jesus, to, to get a piece of Jesus, Jesus perform a miracle, Jesus teaches stuff. And, and so people are flocking to hear from Jesus and to see Jesus. And anyway, this story goes that Jesus is out about doing his ministry. And all of a sudden, this rich young ruler comes up to Jesus. So we know he's wealthy and he's, he's young in age, uh, 40 maybe, 50. And, uh, and he's a ruler, so he probably owns land and, and he has servants and all that kind of stuff. He probably has status. Anyway, he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how do I uh, get to heaven, basically? How do I gain eternal life? And Jesus turns to him and says, this is what you need to do. You need to keep the commandments. He says, you know, love your mum and dad and, and honor God, don't have any other gods. And he kind of lists off a few of these commandments. And, and the rich young ruler turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, I've kept all those commandments. Now, he wasn't lying. Because Jesus says, actually, you're true. You're right. What you're saying is true. You have kept all those commandments. And then he says this. He says, this is what you need to do to to inherit eternal life. Because Jesus knows someone's heart. Jesus knew the heart of this rich young ruler. He knew what assignment he was doing. And he knew which hoop he was shooting at. And so Jesus says, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to sell everything that you have and, and, and give it to the poor. Give all the money to the poor. And then he says, come and follow me. Get rid of it all and then come and follow me. Now, I don't think Jesus is saying to get to heaven or to have eternal life, you've got you to pay for it. That's not what Jesus is saying. You see, again, Jesus knows that the heart of this guy, he knows what basket he's shooting at. And he's saying, no, you need to fully focus on me. And if you know the story, it's quite sad because how does the story end? The text says that the rich young ruler went away very sad. He went away sad because he couldn't give up that to follow Jesus. He'd rather have that stuff. He'd rather have his security based in that stuff instead of following Jesus. What assignment are you doing? What basket are you shooting at? There's another story with, with Jesus. This is getting closer to the end of Jesus' life. And he, he's in Jerusalem and he gathers all his disciples together. And, and he says to them, hey guys, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over to the authorities. They're going to beat me, whip me, spit on me. They're going to, they're going to nail me to a cross. That's what's going to happen. But don't worry, I'll, I'll be back. And if you know the story, uh, Peter, I love Peter. He comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, this isn't what we're going to do, okay? Your, your popularity is through the roof at the moment. You can walk on water, perform miracles. All that stuff is really good. Keep doing that. But none of this death talk, Jesus that's silly you you, you don't want to be talking about that and what does jesus say to him you may have said this to your kids one trying to get him ready for school he says to them what does jesus say he says get behind me has anyone ever said that to their children no maybe just me he says get behind me satan to peter now peter peter now he does some crazy things but at the heart of who peter is he wants to serve jesus doesn't he he is passionate about jesus what is jesus saying to peter peter you're working for the enemy. Get behind me, Satan. Peter, you're shooting at the wrong basket. You're doing the wrong assignment, Peter. That's not, what, that's not how it plays out. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Again, strong, strong language. Jesus wants to know which basket are you shooting at or which assignment that you are doing. Are you focused on him? Are you building your life around him? Uh, several years ago, actually it was probably longer than this, Michael Jackson, does anyone know who Michael Jackson, the singer? Yeah, we know who Michael Jackson is. He's, he's a great performer, one of the world's best performer, singers, incredible singer. Anyway, when he died, I remember uh, watching his funeral. It was at the Staples Center in Los Angeles and 20,000 people crammed into this stadium uh, to say goodbye to Michael Jackson. And at the front of the, the stage was, was his coffin, it was a gold-coated coffin. There was Michael Jackson's in this gold-coated, I don't think it was solid gold, it may have been, but it was a gold-coated coffin. And you know, people got up and gave tributes to this incredible performer, which he was. And right at the end of the service, this, this African-American pastor comes up on the stage, and he's the one that was going to close off the whole service. And, and he said something incredibly profound He got up and he said this. He started talking about Michael Jackson and then he closed in prayer. Right in front of this gold coffin, in front of these 20,000 people and the millions of people who are listening and watching on TV, he says this, For now, even now, the King of Pop, who was the King of Pop? Michael Jackson was the King of Pop. He says, For even now, the King of Pop must bow before the King of Kings. Jesus is the King of Kings. For even now the king of pop in front of this gold coffin must bow before the king of kings. What was he saying? He was saying it doesn't matter if you've got a gold coffin or if if you've released the, the number one album 15 times or if you own a pet chimpanzee. It doesn't matter. End of the day, what happens? It all goes back in the box. How have you lived your life? have you been living your life for Jesus has he been your focus has he been your assignment has he been the basket that you've been shooting at because at the end of the day we all bow before the king of kings are we trying to build bigger barns again there there's nothing wrong with that stuff but if they're your focus if that's your security they're temporary they don't last they can be taken just like that what is our focus what are, we, what are we looking towards? Look at this passage in Hebrews 12. And it's a beautiful passage and you've probably read it a hundred times. But I think it says a lot for us. If, we, if we're Christians and we want to shoot at the right basket, if we want to be doing the right assignment, this gives us a way of doing it. Hebrews 12, I'm going to read verse 1 to around about verse 2. There on the screens. it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The, the, the very start of that verse, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and if you know the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 is kind of the hall of faith, where, where uh, the, the writer, the author, talks about these men and women who had faith, uh, the, the faith of Joseph, the faith, faith of Mo- Moses, the faith of, of rehab. And, and it's kind of like he's suggesting maybe, potentially, that, that, that they're in this big stadium and they're looking at us, watching us run our race, And they're cheering us on. Don't get distracted with the things of the world. Don't do the wrong assignment. Don't shoot at the wrong. Keep on going. And so it's kind of in this context about this this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It's interesting because the author here distinguishes between sin and stuff that hinders. You know, some stuff is not bad, it's not sinful. But it's not good for us. It actually hinders us from running the race. It actually hinders us or stops us from, from living for Jesus. And that, that word there hinders kind of this concept of weighing down or being a burden. And the author is actually suggesting that we should be able to throw that off and literally run naked. It's not a pretty sight, but, but, but to run naked means to be free. Like a baby when they're naked, they they've got no concerns, do they? they just, there's nothing hindering them or weighing them down. I read an interesting story about Alexander the Great and he was, it was about his soldiers and his army and they were an incredible military might during his time and they would defeat nations and countries and towns and villages. And what he noticed was over a gradual period of time, uh, his army w- were not defeating uh, the other army as quickly or the opposing nations as quickly, it was taking them a little bit longer and, and uh, they weren't doing it as quickly and as sharp. And, and what he noticed was that the soldiers, every time they defeated a nation or a town or a village or a city, they would take the stuff that they wanted. So gold and jewels and things that they thought, oh, this, I'll take this. And actually, that it was weighing them down. It was slowing them down. And so the next time they went into war, they had all this kind of baggage and Alexander the Great said, get rid of this. And it's kind of like what the author is saying. There's stuff that's not necessarily sinful. And maybe right now as I'm speaking, you can think of those things. But they're stopping you from running the race. They're hindering you from running this race for Jesus. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's whatever. I don't know. But it's saying just get rid of it, throw it off and run naked. And then it says, and the sin that so easily entangles. And we all know we have sin in our life and uh, that, that's stopping us from running this race. And I kind of picture this, this the, like seaweed kind of coming up if you're swimming. I, I, I'm paranoid about sharks, by the way. They're everywhere. You can't even have a shower these days. But, but the, the seaweed that kind of comes up and is trying to pull you down. That's what sin is like. It wants to trip you up. It's, it's, it doesn't want the best for you. It looks, may, may look good on the outside, but really all it's trying to do is trip you up to stop you from running this race. It wants to, it wants to pull the, your legs from, out, from underneath you. There's a great clip on YouTube, you can check this out, of this, this eagle, this big American eagle, kind of flying around over this lake. And all of a sudden you see this eagle swoop down into the water and uh, just put its big old claws into the water. And obviously it's, it's got a fish Now you can't see the fish and you see this eagle flapping, flapping, flapping. All of a sudden the fish comes out of the water and this thing is huge. This fish is like Moby Dick, like it's massive and this eagle is trying to pull this fish up and and it's flapping and flapping. Eventually the eagle realizes this fish is is just too big. And so what the eagle tries to do is to try to, you can see it going like that, trying to get its claws out of this, this is a really sad story by the way, Lucky the kids aren't in here. And he's, he's trying to get rid of the fish, but its claws are so embedded in the fish, it can't let go of it. It's like, boom, entangled. And, and it, goes, it goes for about 20 minutes, this YouTube, so fast forward to the end. But, but it drowns, the eagle drowns, because it can't release the fish. It's flapping around and it's, it, it just wears itself out and eventually drowns. And, and I think this is what the author here is saying about sin. It may look good on the outside and we, and we come in and we try to grab it, but all it wants to do is to pull you under. It wants it to stop you from running the razor. And when it gets you, your claws in it, it's hard to get out. So, so just confess that. Just bring that to Jesus. Throw off anything that hinders uh, and the sin that entangles. And it says, let us run with perseverance. So we run with perseverance or energy and focus and, and th- all that kind of stuff. The race marked out for us, I think that's important. If you see a race, in, we're in our lanes, aren't we? Now obviously it's, it's not just individual, we're communal, but it's our race, we shouldn't be comparing with other people around us. How come they're doing that, running like that? And how co- No, focus on, on the finish line. Don't compare around, that's what the author is saying. The race marked out for us, your assignment, your hoop, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now this is the most important bit. Practically, I I sometimes think, what does that actually mean to fix our eyes on Jesus? But it means to focus on who Jesus is, make him the number one priority in our life and let that permeate for everything that we do. What basket, what assignment are we doing? Fix our eyes on Jesus. You know it's physically impossible to walk in a straight line if you close your eyes or you put something around your eyes. It's actually physically impossible. In fact, what ends up happening is you end up walking in a, in a circle. Try it on the road tomorrow. But you end up walking in a circle, a big circle. You need to actually have a reference point. You need to be fixed and focused on something. You know when you go to the beach and you put your stuff on the on the shore? I don't go in the water because of the sharks. But, but you put your gear on the sand, don't you? And I always tell my kids, look for the gear. And eventually you go for a swim. And then 10, meters, uh, 10 minutes later, what happens? Your gear's over there, isn't it? You kind of just drift away. And then you're like, oh, there's my reference point. And you come back. Boom. All right. And then two minutes later, you're off again. There's this gentle drifting. And that's what, that's what happens in the world. The world wants us to drift away from Jesus. But we've got to keep coming back to that reference point. Keep coming back to that focus. If we don't set our eyes on him, we will walk around in a circle. Here's a picture of my, my young boy, Josiah. He's my little, my little champion. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, pre-primary age kids and and kindy kids do running races. You know, they have them lined up and, you know, one of them's picking their nose and the other one's waving and they say, go, and they start running in their way and they're tripping over and, oh, look, there's a butterfly. And and I always say to all my kids, I say, kids, if you want to win a a ribbon, this is all you have to do. You don't even have to be fast. All you need to do is, because they generally have a chair at the end, just, just focus on that. Don't look at anything else. Just focus on that chair. I guarantee you a ribbon. You could be the slowest person in the whole world. Everyone else is going to be looking around, and here's a picture of Josiah. He ran through that chair because he was that focused on the chair, while everyone else was kind of looking. He's like, Dad, I, I looked at the chair. I know, son. It's on like the back wall there. But, but fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Now, wh- however you do that, through reading the word, through prayer, through coming to church, however you express that, however you, how you abide with Christ, we need to keep coming back to that reference point. Otherwise, we drift off. Get rid of the things that hinder, throw off the sin that entangles and trying to trip us up. Focus, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And let me end with this. And this is a parable that Jesus told these incredible parables about the priority of, of knowing him or the priority of the kingdom of God. Because again, I think Jesus was all about what basket are you shooting at? What assignment are you doing? Who are you living for? And he says, the kingdom of God is like this. He says, the kingdom of God is like a guy who's out in the field and he's digging around. You know this parable? I kind of picture him putting in tomatoes, but again, that's my attack. So he's digging around and all of a sudden he hears conch and he's like, what's that? And he digs a little bit deeper and he finds this treasure. And Jesus says he found his treasure, but what does he do with the treasure? He doesn't put it under his arm and run away. He says he actually digs like a, a deeper hole. He puts the treasure in, he buries it. Then he goes off and sells everything he has. And what does he buy? He buys the whole field. That's what the kingdom of God or knowing God is like, the priority. And he says it's like a, a merchant, a pearl merchant who's looking for the most perfect pearl. He, he goes everywhere trying to find the most perfect pearl, the, the Fremantle markets everywhere, checks everywhere. And eventually he finds this beautiful big pearl. It's perfect. Same thing. He sells everything he has and he purchases is the pearl. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that, that, he's not saying that you buy the kingdom of God or you buy entrance into the kingdom of God. He's saying it should be our number one. It's of that much value the kingdom of God, or knowing Jesus is of greater value than anything else. Why? Because it's not temporary. It doesn't, it doesn't just disappear. It can't be taken off you just like that. It's eternal. It lasts forever. What are you living your life for? What basket are you shooting at? What assignment are you doing? Is it for Jesus? Even if you're not a Christian, what kind of legacy are you leaving? Because life just goes so fast. Are you going through the motions? What kind of legacy are you leaving? What are you building your life on? Let me close in prayer. Most gracious Father, I want to thank you. Thank you for your Word of God. Thank you that we can, we can come to it and just uh, read it and learn and, and apply it in our lives. And Father, I don't know anyone's story here this morning. I don't know uh, what basket they're shooting at. I don't know what assignment they're doing. But Father, I just ask and pray that you would help us to... Uh, Yeah, just to live that Hebrews passage, that that we would get rid of things that are hindering us, that we would throw off sin that is entangling us. You've died for that sin, Father. That we would persevere, that we would run our own race and that we would fix our eyes on you. That when we start to drift, that we would come back to that reference point of, of who you are love and compassion and mercy and and that we fall under your authority, that we should be living our life for you and that should be demonstrated in, in all of our actions. Help us to do that. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.